a game and a sporting event for the first time since March 7th. Dave, when I say let's do this, that means I didn't I'm know about you were hitting the hit button record. exactly at that time. Yes, just shut up. <laughs> All right. Start with that. Just have that be the intro. <laughs> Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. Holy crap, we've been doing a lot of these lately. Uh, between the After Darks and the Marcus Freeman, Mike Denbrock annual uh, discussion that we have right after signing day. And now the, the real BCJ podcast, this is buckle up. This is probably going to be a long one. Um, Dave and I will go here for a while. And then when we get done with football, uh, Justin Berg is going to pop in and we're going to talk some basketball only because we have to, not because we want to. Um, contractually obligated <laughs> contractually obligated to talk some basketball um so we got a lot to get to we got signing day we've got the cfp we've got the aac championship game uh we've got how many beers will dave drink i, I guess you're not allowed to tailgate so it won't be at a tailgate per se but it'll be somewhere uh the return of that segment so that's nice uh <laughs> We've got the UC South Florida disaster from last night to talk about. We've got UC Georgia on Saturday at 8 p.m. to talk about as well. So there is a lot going on in UC land this week, which, I mean, these we, these are the weeks we live for, right, Dave? Yeah. I mean, did you even say signing day? Yeah, I said signing day. Okay. That's Spaced out a little bit there for a second, but that's yeah, all right. I mean, I mean, it's it's typical for you. There's a lot a lot going on. There is, there is. Uh, first off, and we touched. I, I touched on this in the thread, and I wanted to mention it at the top. It is really cool that we get the access we get to have Marcus Freeman and Mike Denbrock pop in and, and today. And guess what? They're they're really busy right now. And to take time out of their day to pop in and, and talk to me and detail uh, all of the recruits that they signed is uh, is something, Dave. And you talked about this a lot. And you mentioned it on the board, but I wanted it for a, wanted it known for a larger scale. Um, the way UC handles things on that front is top notch. Yeah, I mean they they understand our role in. Promoting the program, advancing the program. I mean, the fan base has definitely grown. I mean, we've seen our membership grow exponentially. And that's, you know, we'd love to say that's because of us, but if there's not info that's interesting to get out to the fans, you're not going to join a, a pay site just to talk to a bunch of your buddies about football. Like, we can all do especially that when there's Twitter and Facebook. And right, we we can all do that through text or or whatever. Like the value of Bearcat Journal is that the information is really good, and we know, and the fans know that it's legitimate. So when you post something or you get an interview with a coach, like I'm, I'm telling people, like no one else gets i guarantee you could go to every single college 24/7 page today and there will not be one other thread with an inter, with interviews with the offensive and defensive coordinator 
Yeah. I I mean, I would bet all the beers I can drink on Saturday before <laughs> the game that nobody got an interview with the offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, an exclusive. A one-on-one. Well, that's what like, I'm saying. Not like, a, not, yeah, not it's, it wasn't a press conference. Right. That was them in their office uh, with me on Zoom. Uh, Marcus was eating lunch uh, when, he, when we Zoomed in. Probably, I think they've been doing morning practices since school's out. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's awesome. And, I, and I, I, I want people to know that because the value in that is incredible. And for them to recognize that is, uh, is big. So thanks to them. Uh, go listen to it if you haven't already. Great insight into uh, all the kids that are coming and some insight into how they got them and how each situation played out. And uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts we do every year. And I just appreciate those guys for, for allowing that to happen. So I wanted to get that out there. Let's talk signing day. People have heard all of my thoughts basically on signing day between the signing day primer and podcasts and radio appearances. Uh, my thoughts are out there. I'm, I'm interested in yours. What's your takeaway from signing day? A lot of the same stuff that you said, so I don't want to just rehash that. But I would say, like, two things that jumped out to me, just the overall group along the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, All 6'3 to 6'5, 220 to 260, 270. They all, but they're all going to do different things, too. And yeah. I think that's kind of feeds into my larger point of the whole program as a whole and this class especially defensively is there's just a ton of versatility Um, Marcus talked about a lot of the defensive backs you know openly saying yeah they play corners in corner in high school they might not play corner here. They played safety in high school. They might not play safety here. They could go down to linebacker. They could play the dollar position, which is kind of a new, a new full-time thing in the three-three-five. Um, which, you know, it's kind of a coaching cliche. You know, versatility. We want to be multiple, all that type of stuff. But you just be- it, it benefits your team and it benefits the player a lot when you are open to just trying stuff out. And this staff has been that way since the minute they got here. And it's worked out a lot of times where I think other staffs wouldn't take a kid and just be like, oh, yeah, let's just try him on offense when he's been a defensive guy or vice versa. And I think that shows to the, the player that just because you come in and we start you here – you're not, and maybe it's not going the way you want it to go. You're not just going to be stuck there and you have to transfer out and go somewhere else to play that same position. Like we're going to try to find a way to get you on the field. And with this recruiting class specifically, I thought the defensive line and what they did in the defensive backfield kind of sets them up to have a lot of options. Hopefully, you know, as coach Fickle said, you don't really know for a couple of years, but hopefully moving forward, where it then allows them to kind of have that same style of defense and even grow with it because, you know, this is their second full year in the defense. Um, well, really it's only a year and a half, but teams are going to 
start figuring trying to figure out ways to to attack it and you have and they have to then you know make adjustments off of those adjustments and you do that obviously scheme wise but you also do that personnel wise and finding roles for guys that maybe you didn't have on the roster before and now you do and you can just do a whole bunch of different things yeah and the, the interesting thing for me is and luke talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, when I, I, cause I had joked a bit about, and that, I like the analogy I just used on Lance Marcus Freeman looks at a couple of Mike Denbrock's guys. Like you look at a, a bone in filet from Ruby's, uh, in this class, <laughs> but as Luke said, like, look, we're the kid, it, Cam Jones, perfect. The kid wanted to give it a shot at quarterback. So for a year, he had a chance to give it a shot at quarterback. And then they sat down and they had a conversation. And the reality was it's probably not probably not going to play quarterback because there's some really talented quarterbacks here. Let's try it tight end. And he's been pretty good at tight end. Yeah. And he's, and he's a fascinating prospect at tight end, but if that doesn't work out, then well, let's see what you look like. as look like as, as a tackle. Here's a couple more, a couple more scoops for your plate when you go through the dinner line. Um, but they get their shot where they, where they envision themselves, where they see themselves. And if it works out great. And if it doesn't work out, they're open to, all right, let's, let's see if you linebacker fits or let's see what, what you look like at defensive end or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, let's, let's see what you look like at tight end. If it's, you know, a, a defensive end that maybe doesn't fit what they're looking for, but they're open to that. And I think that is, um, it's an important part of their evaluation because, it, you know, the funny thing is like when they when the offense gets a kid, the defense watches his tape. When the defense gets a kid, the offense watches his tape. If it's a kid that played both ways in high school, right? That's, you know, um, right, a lineman the, or something, right? Um, so they're aware. Like they have their eye on it. They've got their finger on the pulse. Well, I mean, if, like a guy like Brian Threats, one of my you know best friends, they played them this year. Yeah. First and team all state running back. And he was just like, the kid is ridiculous. He's like, his best college position probably is defense. But I mean, what he did, at least in high school offensively, you'd be foolish to not at least, you know, I'm not even saying you just, you have him going both ways, but it needs to be in your mind at some point. Like, okay, maybe this week we just try him on offense. Just to see what happens. Right. Let's see how you look at running back. Because, I mean, he was special offensively in high school. Right. Very special. Like, first team All-State special. Oh, yeah. Uh, anybody you look at in this class that jumps out to you? Or maybe maybe that it isn't rated as high Juwan, as you think Juwan they should Briggs. be? Yeah, <laughs> he, does that count? No, no. Um, I'm interested. I'll, I'm I'm interested in Luke Collinsworth from the standpoint of we've got a lot of guards have recruited a lot of guards out of high school. I'm going to be watching 
his development because they say he's a tackle. I believe them. But he would kind of be that, like, first high school kid that was, that's been rated highly that they envision to come in and play tackle. And I just want to see how that goes. Because, like, yeah. you know, obviously right now the two tackles are transfers. Ferg was a tackle, but he was recruited by the previous staff. Um, John Williams was recruited as a tackle. Okay. But they, I mean, they played him at guard a lot. Well, that's just because they didn't know what they they didn't they were worried they weren't going to be any good at guard. Sure. <laughs> and at the beginning of camp, I think Vinny was was out in COVID protocol, yeah. and they they had, me, they had holes. I think we we didn't he we didn't see him as like a come in and compete right away guy. He turned into that. Yeah. But I think like I would I would imagine they see Luke coming in. And maybe not competing for a starting job next year, depending on who returns and who doesn't. But like being in that too deep right yeah. away, and I just kind of want to see where that. If he's a tackle, if he ends up being being a guard, I don't know. I mean, I don't. At six six, I can't. I, I have a hard time seeing li- him. Offensive line plays is you know much much harder. I think for just a reg, you know, a, a fan, so to speak, to really watch and say oh yeah this is this guy's not a tackler this guy is tackle i don't know a lot of it is length more than anything and just and get off and and things like that you know can you get wide and for a speed rusher or stuff like that but yeah i mean if his arm everybody has a threshold as far as like arm length and stuff like that where you get the analytics into it and if your arms aren't X number of inches long. There's really no track record of being a successful tackle, so you get kicked down into guard. So, but I think he's just the one that I'm I'm most interested um, to check out. Hopefully, spring practice. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> there will be a spring practice. It'll be a matter of what we're allowed. To he, he didn't early enroll though, did he? He's not one. No, of he's the not on the seven, list. So no. it doesn't matter. So it wouldn't be till the summer anyway. But yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's probably the one. Defensively, anybody? Um, I don't know. That's defense is hard, just because the physicality of it. You just never know who's truly ready to. I mean, I can't project like any of these guys coming in and like playing defensive snaps as a freshman. That's hard to imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not going to be not going to be any of the DBs. I'm interested at safety to see because you're going to have Cook and and Hicks, and then you've got Dingle behind them. Yeah, I think there's there's some room for a safety to to come in and at least could be, could be. move in. You know, crack try to crack the two deep. Yeah. Um, I, I'm. The guy I'm probably and and I know the staff probably is highest of those DBs on Isaiah Cox coming in. Uh, I really like uh, Armorian Smith, and, and I said this in the the podcast with Freeman and those guys. I think he is the most like Derek Forrest that they've recruited since they recruited Derek Forrest. Yeah, and you know I have an unreasonable man crush on Derek Forrest. Yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to wrap my head around 
uh, Derek Forrest, honorable mention, all AAC. Still, still trying to, yeah, to figure that one out. But he's only the most consistent so and steady. Is, so is he apparently based on yeah. on Twitter? But um, he, he he won, and they shouldn't be happy with it because he's probably the best safety in the league. But I digress. Um, I mean, it's just funny though. Like, quick, just a quick touch on it, like. James had a gr- a great year, but he did like virtually nothing well, that jumped nobody. off the page that said this guy, he has to be like a first team guy. And then yeah, I did, think some but, of that is. And then for respect. Derek to just not even be like second team, when yeah. I couldn't, I don't know who the Memphis had a second team safety, and they had like the worst freaking pass defense in the country. Yeah, the, how, the how Memphis does that happen. The Memphis guy making it over Derek Forrest is criminal. Richie Grant shouldn't have been first team just for the sheer fact of what Josh Wiley did to him. Yeah. Sit down, son. But I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if these things go out to coaches or who exact like do they know and then they don't they just don't want like every kid on the first team to be from UC, so they you know. Because, I mean, I can't imagine that the defensive the offensive coaches that vote for the defensive players or whoever it worked looked at UC's secondary and wasn't like, yeah, all those guys should be first team. I mean, every other secondary in the league is <laughs> Tulsa's is okay. It's, they have one interception in their defensive backfield. Yeah, but I mean, they're still okay. No, they are. They're okay. All right. Um, yeah, Forrest, not, not, but, but I, I like, I like the potential of Armorian Smith. And I think he fills long-term, he fills a substantial need uh, at that strong safety yeah. kind of anchor of the back end of the defense type guy. Cause I think when I, when I watch Cox, I kind of wonder he's, he looks more of a free to me than a strong, right? Yeah. And they play a lot of single high yeah. and man. So they, and they drop, drop the guy down. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, the, the, that defensive line class is really interesting to me. Yeah, you just it, have a little bit of ev- you have a little bit of everything. What you project to be everything. You have Rob Jackson, who I think is is what they envision a bigger five technique, more athletic Elijah Ponder. Um, yeah. You have um, Monroe, who I think is your inside guy through and through. Um, I think he could get a look at, at that boundary outside spot yeah. as well. And Corleone is your inside guy. Sure. But those two guys, I mean, I think. Yeah. And then Williams is who you're hoping is your next MyJ Sanders type guy. Or at least in this class. I don't want to say next. In or Z. And or just Z. Miss. Well, he's the one that I'm – He's kind of like – I feel like they could do some fun things with him. Yeah. Like, you see this a lot on – like with passing downs. And I don't want to use them as the example because they're obviously terrible this year. But, like, the Bengals have taken ends on passing downs and moved them inside. Yeah. Um, and because you just you, – when you know they're going to pass – the speed is more important than, than being stout against the run. So 
you know, is Z somebody that you could move inside on a as a speed rusher, right? Um, because he does have enough heft to him, he will. You know, he's not like a 215 guy, I mean, he's already like a 240 guy, right? So, if he gets to, to 260 and on standard downs, he's on the outside, but you bring him on the inside on your you know your third and 10 and whatever plus and then you still have a guy that is does have some strength but is is in there to push the pocket and get vertical like right in the because that's i mean college and pro i mean the, the worst place to get rushed is right in your face yeah um so he maybe he can use his speed to beat a guard or center block but i mean that's the thing is we talk about it with the DBs, even with the defensive line. There's, you know, there's some that are pretty much set in their roles, like like Corleone. But I mean, there could be some interesting things they do with those guys too. And I think if you ever got to the point where Marcus decided he wanted to go back to a four-man front, you've got some oh, three techniques. I mean, you could. The... You got a lot of versatility, even for the things, or you know, when you play. Uh, a Navy or when you play an option mm-hmm. team, you're still going to have guys that can slide down and play the three technique at, from the five. Um, so it's, it, it, again, versatility is kind of the name of the game for them. Um, linebacker. I mean, a couple guys there that I, I think are, are impactful um, big on miles Montgomery. I think that's going to end up being a really good get. That was interesting. Denbrock said he's kind of a blend of Dokes and and Ford, and I pointed out that he's like forty pounds smaller than Dokes right now. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think people realize how big Dokes is. Oh, I know. He's a good two thirty five. Oh yeah. For a running back, that's a large human at the running back position. Yes. Um. But uh. Wide receiver, I think they they upgraded the room with a couple guys. You obviously weren't going to need a lot there, given what you brought in last year. And then, I don't know, man. I don't know why, but I think that Brady Lichtenberg is going to be an interesting name over the next couple years. Because that kid can spin it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of the – you know they've they i don't know it's you have your dual threats but now you you have your two of your quarterbacks that you i mean i guess lindauer is he's pretty you know pretty more of yeah but brady is your traditional you know pocket passer so and you can still run the stuff they're running with that type of a quarterback i mean usc's Graham Harrell is their offensive coordinator and he comes from the air raid at Texas tech and he's running that offense with Keaton Slovis, who is straight up pocket guy. Right. And so, you know, it could be, could be fun to have two guys that are pretty opposite. Well, that's what they have now. Yeah. I mean, you just set it up like they, they have set it up. Des was mobile. Ben's a pocket guy. Lindauer is kind of a mix. Um, 
Prater's mobile, and then you bring in Brady as a pocket guy. So you've got, you know, and Ben's probably not going to be here next year, but that's just how the recruiting classes have worked out. I'm really interested to see when Brady gets in here. Cause I think he's a guy that'll pick things up fast. Oh yeah. Like his he's offense, one of those his high school offense was basically, you know, a college offense. Yeah. And I think he's a guy that, that will be fun to watch once he gets here and you see, you get to see him at camp and see how he looks, you know, before he gets, He's, he's going to be a scout team guy as a freshman. That's sure. what freshman quarterback do. Um, but before he gets shoved off to the scout team to see how he looks kind of with the, with some of the guys on the upper part of the roster. So <clears throat> anything else you got on uh signing day? No, I don't think so. We All hit, right. that, hit that pretty hard last yeah. two days. Um, CFP. I mean, we, we hit it, the two of us on the, the, after dark podcast, um, were you were you surprised at how many national voices have jumped in the mix, calling them out for their crap? Well, yeah, because that's not hasn't happened before. You don't typically call out your sources. <laughs> Fair. Which not not saying that they're sources for CFP stuff, but they're sources for other things. So, I mean, I just think it gets to a point finally where people just want teams that they feel have positioned themselves and done the things that they've been asked to do to just be treated. I'm not even saying equal just because like, I'm not even saying like UC should be in the playoff. Right. But it's, it's, I, I don't know what the word is anymore. I mean, we used so many of them the other night, but I mean, I sent out a bunch of tweets today about comparing UC and Georgia and Iowa state and Texas A&M and Florida and several different metrics. And in some of them, UC was the best. In some of them, they were in the middle. But in none of them... Were they the worst, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if none of them were the worst, but none of them, they were like... The other four teams kind of all grouped together, and then UC over, you know... Right. Several spots over here, where that was the case with some of the other teams. Not the same team every time. But like, so... You look at all these different things, and yet the team that is never behind was never behind it, you know, last in any of them was last in the rankings. Yeah, how does that, how does that, where's the the logic in that? There is no logic in it. Bob Bowlesby today saying that Iowa State, if they win the Big 12 championship, We'll have won more Six games in a row. We'll yeah. have won more games in a row than Ohio State has played. And I said, and that's not even counting the two games they lost. It's like Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable to me how much for some teams not losing just doesn't matter. Right. It just, it just doesn't matter. 
And for other teams, you don't even have to lose. No, you just, yeah. You just so, drop because it, you should drop. It's crap. It's all crap. Yes, it is all crap. Um, I'm, I'm done being mad over it. Oh, I was mad. I was mad I'm Tuesday. Not, here's, here's the thing. In 48 hours from right now, we are kicking off. No. 30 or 30, no, 47, 47 hours and 50 minutes. Kickoff is at 8.14. Oh, eight, oh 8.14. <laughs> okay. Well, that ruined my little thing. But, um, but yeah, in two, in two days, I'm going to be going to a sporting event for the first time since March 7th. I give less than zero you-know-what about Gary, Gary Barda and Condoleezza Rice and R.C. Slocum and all these other geriatric mother truckers that claim that they watch games because that's all they do is tell you how much they watch games. You know what that means? They don't watch games. If someone has uh-huh. to tell you over and over again that they do something, it's probably because they're not doing it. It's, it's like the, 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 the boyfriend that always accuses his girlfriend of cheating because he's cheating. So then he projects it to her. I, I, no, I, we, we watch all the games. We watch all the games. Every game. If there's a game, we watch it. We have it, we, we have it streamed into our brain. It just shows on our eyes, behind our eyelids. Yeah. When we sleep, we're actually watching games. Shut up. So I'm, Shut up. You know. Nothing, you know, and I'm not saying that I know some people want transparency and like show that each person's vote. I don't care. They're all in it. They're all in cahoots together. Like the whole recuse yourself from the discussion. If they're talking about like your team, I don't understand that. I am a hundred percent for if I'm on the committee and my team is the fifth spot, I'm, I'm in there telling you why my team should be in the fourth spot. Like I don't, I think it's more of a joke that you say that we tell Scott Strickland to go out of the room when we talk about Florida, like as if, yeah, as if F out of here that that actually happens. Well, you know, and they say that they're not, they don't put the names on who they're talking about. Oh, cause you can't tell based on Ohio State. When Scott Strickland gets up and leaves, yeah. what, what they don't, nobody but in the room knows where Scott team Strickland Team A works. is five and oh. And team Scott, B, can you go? Team B <laughs> is 10 and 0. I wonder who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all it's a sham. It really well, where's Gary Barta from? Iowa. He's not doing a favor for Iowa State. Florida State or Florida's on the committee. Well, Texas AM's on the committee. Joe Castiglione's on the committee. Yeah. O- Oklahoma's A D. And all of a sudden, Oklahoma's alive. Oklahoma's a 10. They just keep figuring out a way to inch themselves up there. I mean, Iowa State didn't play, but, man, they look really good, beat the crap out of shitty West Virginia, so we got to move them up. But UC yeah. didn't play, and sorry, we got to move them down. And But what would have happened if they would have played Temple many moons ago? Well, it was just Temple. Right. It would have been a – I mean, they would have kicked, their, kicked the crap out of them, and it would have just been – you know, just another crappy AAC team that UC beat. Yeah. But there's no crappy Big 12 teams. None. Even though they lost the Sunbelt Invitational earlier this None. year. None. 
It's a joke. It's a joke. But I, I'm over getting my blood pressure worked up about it because it. I don't know. The only thing I think that that possibly changes it is if public perception switches on them, and all of a sudden everybody's calling them out for their crap, and they have to uh, do I, things I a little mean, differently. I think we're there. Honestly, like we're close. I think. I mean, like you've got you have. And peop- obviously, these people that I'm going to name, not, I mean, it's not 100% consensus, consensus that they are liked. But for the first time, you have people like Paul Feinbaum and Kirk Herbstreet saying that this system is broken. Kirk Herbstreet, who went to Ohio State, who should champion Ohio State, like, I have no problem with any, with him, you know, talking up the Big Ten, talking up Ohio State, whatever. He straight up said, it is not, the system is wrong if 98 to 99% of the teams know in August that they have no shot of playing for a national championship. Yeah, he goes, correct. He goes, <clears throat> in 2021, Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten, Alabama's going to win the SEC, and Clemson is going to win the ACC. And in 2023, Alabama's going to win the SEC, Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten, and Clemson's going to win the ACC. Like, so what are we doing? Well, but that's never going to change because of what happened yesterday. Fans, though, are going to – like, I am – I said it before. Like, I don't need to see Oklahoma in another playoff. I know what that movie is. Yeah, but I'm saying – I'm not interested – Fans will stop being as interested as they have been if it's the okay. same teams over and over again. Like, but that doesn't have anything. Teams, it's, it's not those teams' fault. But, but my the, point being, that doesn't have anything to do with the committee. Well, the committee, the whole chain. I mean, this is more of like an expansion thing. Yeah, but but then you'll just have those teams that win the first round of the playoffs. You know why? Because of what happened yesterday. What happened yesterday happens every year. Alabama oh, yeah. and or Ohio State finishes first. The other finishes second. Clemson is somewhere in the top five. Like, that's that's why the the the, the disparity is what it is. And, well, I mean, we'll find out about Ryan Day. I think he's been really good. But Alabama has the best coach. And oh. Clemson's not far behind. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't think anybody's dispute really disputing, but but I'm just saying that that's something you can't like. Herb no, Street complaining if, about if that. You it, get more teams in, different teams. It allows them to then elevate their program. You're right. you're like right. if, if you see made an 18 playoff, just made it. That is a that right there is a different recruiting tool than they've ever had. How much do you think? There was a re- that was a part of reason they put them at nine, so that there wasn't like this continuous like, hey, you need to move to eight and let the I mean, G. So I don't know, I don't know if they're that smart. <laughs> they clearly are, Dave, because they're they're jockeying the thing to put Texas at twenty, and like they understand why they're doing what they're doing. I just think so they, that they do that in independent of. <clears throat> trying to keep 
OUC out. Because they can yeah, no, no matter what they do. When, you no see matter what they do with the other teams, they can always just fall back on the strength of schedule thing. Yeah. UC was out at eight. There was no point in moving them to nine. No, I, I don't disagree. I mean. <clears throat> they were out at seven. You know what's going to happen? Notre Dame's going to beat Clemson, and you know where Clemson's going to end up? Four. Well, that's, that's just the whole thing is, is it, is it best or most deserving? Well, here's the problem you've created there. Because even if it's if it's best and Clemson loses, if it's me, I'm still putting them in. I still think they're one of the four best teams. You, you telling me Clemson with two losses is worse than Texas A&M, Florida, Iowa State. Georgia, Iowa State? Get get out of here! They they would destroy every one of those teams. Yeah. So is it so is it the is it the best most deserving teams? <laughs> Clemson at Clemson with two losses is better than Iowa State with two losses. Texas A&M with one loss. I mean, they're not even even comparable. Right. All right, let's get to this championship game. Bearcats, Tulsa. The main question for me, how concerned are you that the offense takes a little time to get going against a good Tulsa defense? Um. I mean, that's I've, my number one thing. I've thought about this. I mean, there there has to be a level of concern. You haven't played in a month. Yeah. A level. And Tulsa's good defense. Tulsa is a very good defense. The, the, my Cliff Notes matchup of this game is very good defense versus very good offense. Elite defense versus below average offense. Yes. So, taking a month off is a including Including two weeks not on the field. Right. Uh, taking the month off is a concern. I think there are factors in UC's favor that make that a lot smaller than you would think typically. One, it's at home. Yeah. They have not lost a home game in 19 games. Two, it's for a, a conference championship and a spot in the New Year's Six game, <clears throat> which has never you know been done since this thing has been a thing. Uh, three, there will be fans. So I, I wasn't necessarily concerned about them, like, having low energy, like the USF game. Right. But having fans is just going to ratchet that up even more. Four, they all know the playoff committee situation. And I'm sorry, Tulsa, you're going to Gary, – Gary Barta – just got you heel kicked. <laughs> you can send him the thank you notes. So I just, and five, the Tulsa offense is terrible. So even if UC starts a little slow offensively, Tulsa is, I mean, I have to give them credit for being resilient and overcoming and all of these wild comebacks. Having saving Collins. Do you know how many points in the first half <clears throat> Tulsa has scored since they played USF on October 23rd. So almost two months. How many points do you think they've scored in the first half total? 35. 16. That's bad. They are one of, if not the slowest starting teams I have ever seen. And it is at this point in the season, that is in your head. It's in your head that, we start slow, but it's okay because we make these crazy comebacks. But 
do you like do you think they're going to start fast offensively against this defense? I would guess not. <laughs> okay, so say they don't. So say they with Elijah Ponder back. Say they get down fourteen or seventeen points. They're not coming back. They're they're not pulling a third string quarterback hail mary against Tulane to get it to overtime. They're not pulling a down twenty four seven at halftime to SMU, shut SMU out, come back, win that game 28-24. They're not playing a dreadful, dreadful Navy team and winning 19-6. to Like, complete – Zach Smith in the first half of that game was 5 for 17 for 46 yards. Sounds like Des last year. (laughs) I mean, that offense against this defense, I'm sorry, it's, it's a boat race. Now, they have a very good defense. They have very good players. I mean, one of their players, <clears throat> defensive line, Jackson Player. I always laugh when I see him because it's number nine. Because it says this, player. This is player. I'm like, is this a video game guy that does you have <laughs> Last week against Navy. I've never heard of this. Defensive lineman against Navy. Ten solo tackles, two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. Sounds like Cortez and Cope when they played Navy I mean, a couple years is, ago. He's a little undersized, like six foot two ninety. He's got great get off, relentless dude. Like he's a solid player. We all know what Zaven Collins is. He's the best defensive player in the country. Allie Green, one of their corners, was a Thorpe Award semifinalist. He's got one. Who's, who's eleven? I, I always know, notice eleven for. Them. I don't know numbers. I just look. I just went. You know, it's one of their other linebackers. I think. <laughs> But for all the things that their defense has been good at, they only have 17 sacks in seven games, and they've only forced 14 turnovers. Eight of those are fumbles, and that's not a repeatable metric. So, like, the defense is good. The pass defense is pretty good, but they don't take away the ball. Like, Zayvon Collins has four of the six interceptions. Yeah. Here's my thing with them in this matchup. They're designed to keep the ball in front, which is just what UC does. Yeah, they run a three-three-five-two now. Yeah, <clears throat> they run the almost the exact well, same. They, yeah, they copied it off UC. Yeah, they run it a little differently because of Collins. Like he allows them to do some things differently that UC doesn't do. But ultimately, like the goal of the three-three-five is to keep you in front of them. That's the Cincinnati offense. They want. Right. 10, 11 play drives. <clears throat> Tight ends, running back, slot receivers. And then when you, yeah. when you creep up to stop that, we'll take a couple shots. Yeah. That's, that is them by design. Like that is who they are. It's so just, it's a bad, like if the weather's iffy, it's going to be cold. <clears throat> but if the weather's iffy, they don't run the ball well at all. I mean, none of their running backs have over 400 yards rushing. Um, so they're, you turn them one dimensional with a quarterback that's 57% passing on the season. I just like, we've talked every single game <clears throat> as they were going through the run of beating the crap out of teams. Like how is this other, how is this opponent going to score 20? Cause they're going to need to score at least 20. And it ended up being that they needed to score at least like 40, but we didn't think the offense was going to keep being as prolific as they were. So against, a really good Tulsa defense. I mean, let's say UC scores 31. This this offense scoring 34, assuming there's no crazy interception return for touchdown. I mean, 
that they play yeah. a, fair, a fairly clean game. You know, not five turnovers, giving them short fields, not interception or fumble returns, like a fairly clean game. It's the same thing we've talked about all year. All year. How many touchdowns can you score against UC? And good luck with that. What are your thoughts, Berg? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to tune in for that one. I mean, because the other game going on probably won't be as entertaining. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a, maybe a peach bowl, uh, peach bowl tune-up. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia UC the, the, basketball, then a month in two weeks, Georgia UC football. Is that a possibility? That's the yes. that's the likely uh, outcome, I think. That's cool. <clears throat> Dave, how many how many pregame beers? What's uh, the over under? Pregame beers. I think I'm going. I think we're going to Keystone. If anyone wants to come drink with us to watch uh, the SEC. No, I, th- I thought you were saying you were going to drink Keystone, like Keystone. Well, lights. no. I, I mean, I'm not. Maybe I'm not above that. That's for sure. You could get about uh, twelve or thirteen of those in before the game. Yes. Uh, SEC championship at three thirty. ACC. No, it's at eight. No, the SEC championship. Yes. Check. Check. I don't need. It's to. at eight. It's at eight. Look up as it, they changed it. I promise. We we were talking about this last night at the basketball game. When did it they actually, change it? Two a week and a half ago. It is at eight o'clock. He's got a young kid. He can't be counted well, on. I mean, it's, on that kind of stuff. No, it is at eight o'clock now. Hot damn. Well, I guess I won't be watching that that game. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be watching the uh, ACCs at four. Yeah, which will be a better game anyway. So, <clears throat> and Louisiana Lafayette and Coastal's at three thirty. That'll be a good one to watch. Well, what's the number? What's the over under? It depends on when we go. Um, I'm gonna guess the over under is a good. I mean, it's my first sporting event since March seventh. So. I'm going to be coming out of the gates hard. It'll it'll be, you know, can I maintain until we get to the stadium? I think the, the over-under is probably like eight and a half. Ooh. I'll, I'll take gonna, the over. We're gonna be I think there I'll take like, the over. We're probably going to be there for three and a half hours before the game starts, so. And no jello shots, so you're <laughs> no, going to have to no, rely on no the beer. No jello shots, so. Yeah, it's the you know one of the pitfalls of COVID. No tailgate Jello shots. I think you'll be all right. I think you'll survive. I think. And, and I, and uh, we'll get your actual prediction Saturday morning when I yeah. release the prediction article, the staff prediction article. But I, I got a feeling you're leaning Bearcats. I'm leaning Bearcats. My, my I've given one word for for each game. I predicted twelve and zero before we knew what was going to happen. We are one win away from perfect regular season conference championship. My one word is celebration. Celebrate good times. Come on. And I I think, do, do, do. I think it could get ugly because there's a coach that says he doesn't pay attention to the rankings. Oh, (laughs) but if somebody scores a touchdown with two minutes left to go up, I don't know, 30, it ain't going to be Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, you have a, a wonderful evening. Do you have oh, I do want to say, Berg, thank you very much. I am in, indebted to you. I am extremely appreciative 
of you coming back to the podcast because I could not possibly honestly talk about this basketball team for another two months. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm already having second thoughts on that decision. <laughs> so this might, la- this might last a week, Dave. Don't hold your breath. Have fun, <laughs> boys. Have a good night. Oh, uh, so we go from celebration to uh, boy. Oh boy. Bird. Sky is falling on the message board. <laughs> the sky is falling on the message board. Um, they're just they're just not good at enough things right now. Was is is my ultimate takeaway, right? Like they're they're bad at too many things and they're not good at enough things to overcome the things that they're bad at. How's that? Right. Yeah. I I I've been racking my brain just talking it out the last couple of days. Well, if they did this, then that might help. But no, it's just it's not there. I how here's a question for you: How many minutes into last night's game were you? Did you say, "Uh oh, I don't know about this one"? Took me about first media time. Well, yeah, I was going to say before. Before that, when John called a timeout, three minutes into the game, he called a timeout before the first media timeout. Never does. When that happens, when when that happens, nobody does that. When that happens, things are bad. Yeah, it just took things a few trips down the floor. I was like, okay, well, this we knew this team had size. I knew they had David Collins. I didn't know about this point guard. Murphy? What, Murphy? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, but, I mean, he just was, like, zipping up and down the floor, and he was finishing yeah. stuff, and I was just like, all right, this team's faster, bigger, stronger, and law More of experienced. averages. Yeah, law of averages is humongously on their side if UC hasn't lost them since 1988 at home. And Brian Gregory has won in this building before with other teams, and he was very close two years ago winning in this building. So, yeah, all that stuff. And then also you just saw UC's defensive energy, and it was just like, what? What is this? What, what are we watching here? Because I could just – it looks like I could probably take it to the hole, and I wouldn't have to worry about any shot blockers. At my age 40, I could just lay it right in there. Well, it, what was disturbing to me was I thought – and some of this I'm sure is that Tennessee's just not very good – offensively at this point in time um i think their best players offensively are freshmen which is going to take them a little time to to get those guys really moving but i thought they played admirably defensively against tennessee outside of the fouls yeah if you look at the numbers outside i mean but you have to include the fouls which right uh, yeah um but i guess in relation to how they had played defensively leading up to the tennessee game i was at least somewhat encouraged that they looked a little better defensively. And then that went out the window in like 90 seconds last night. If that, yeah, if that, by the way, uh, sidebar, um, what is Rick Barnes's fascination or fetish with left-handers? My God, every single person on that team was a lefty. Mick was getting there. Yeah, he did have a few, but that, I mean, there was like six. And I've never seen that many. Um, By the way, uh, before we get to last night, um, let's let's go back to Chris Vogt's fifth foul of the Tennessee game. I, I, I just don't really think – I didn't hear anyone talk about it. I, I don't – I mean, can <laughs> – So, what, what, what was Vogt, that? For those that, that forgot or, or didn't see. Or didn't Chris see Vogt it, yeah. Gets the ball under the rim. There is no one between him and the rim. There is someone between him and the rim 95, 94 feet away. And he wipes the guy out. Just wipes him out. 
and gets called for a charge, his fifth foul. Uh, UFC was down by six, I believe. And it was like, it, there was a, maybe a minute and a half or two minutes left. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, like he flashed from the block to the other block and he was a little too far underneath the rim. But if he was, I mean, all he had to do was just jump up and do a reverse dunk. I mean, I assume he can do that at seven one, but um, he just, yeah, he just turned and elbowed himself out, like towards the free throw line against Falkerson, which, you know what? I, maybe he just hated Falkerson as much as I did because I, mean, <laughs> I can't stand Falkerson. He was probably like, I'm sick of this guy. I'm going to just elbow him, but it was his fifth foul. It cost you see two easy points. And um, I, I've never, I, I just, there's, I, I can't even think of a possible explanation other than he just hated Falkerson. I had, so. I had to, I had to explain that to Brian Snow. We were talking the other night and he didn't see it live. And I had to explain it to him. And by the end of it, he was like, I've, I've never heard of anything <laughs> like that before in my life. And I was like, I've never seen yeah. anything like that before in my entire life. You wiped a guy out 94 feet from the other rim. <laughs> and your rim yeah. that you're trying to score on is one foot away. And it kind of looked like Fulkerson almost conceded. He was like, I can't get there. And he's 7-1. Yeah. He was just going to let him dunk it. Yeah. And I, instead... I, I, yeah, instead vote wiped him out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, I mean, th- there was a ma- there was many moments in the last five minutes of that game. So here, so another thing I was thinking. I mean, there's eighty different things I'm thinking about, but all these things that we've said that are, that aren't good, or you know, the ro- we could go on and on about how the roster just has a clunky fit to it. It's just it's a weird kind of dynamic with the seniors and the young players, and but I mean, they've been right in these games that they've yeah. lost. Somehow, I don't explain that. How have they had leads on Xavier and Tennessee and were tied with South Florida after being down 12 with whatever it was, three, four minutes left? It's just, it's, it's like they had a chance. So really all the, all the problems that we can, I mean, we can get into it all, but it's just strange because they're, I mean, the crunch time, they've been awful, especially offensively, as, as you pointed out with the amount of points they've scored in each game in the last five, six minutes. Last night it was five, three. Three, yeah. And then it was five, and another one was three, I think. So, so okay, the defense. Um, Are you trying to get your steps in? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like yeah, – Okay, so to I got to know. I got to know. Is this what you used to do when we, we were podcasting? Because I, I didn't have video video of you when we used to podcast. And yeah, now everything's on Zoom. So yeah, I'm you a just pacer. pace the whole podcast. Uh, okay. Yeah, I like, it makes I, me nervous. I like to keep it moving. I like to keep it moving. It makes I mean, me that, nervous. That, 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 helps my, that helps my brain flow. All right, well, then just don't <laughs> look at the screen. <laughs> so, okay. So here, I mean, obviously the defense in many situations, you, you, the Xavier game was just, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't know what word to use other than God awful and, yeah, atrocious. So, you know, here's something that you talked about last year. Um, you know, he John could not run the offensive system he wanted to run. He tried to, and he was like, you know what? This team ain't got it. I'm just going to let Jaron cook. Uh, and so he just he just pretty much scrapped his system. He did obviously work on a lot of execution stuff as the season went along. He was great at, you know, different out-of-bounds plays and, and out-of-timeouts and stuff. And then he had Jaron at the end of games. And so UC was winning close games. Um but now he can't run his defense. And you actually pointed it out to me 
or maybe you, I can't remember if it was a, a board post or you just, we texted about it, but he, he can't run his defense. So he's, he's two, probably two games in, he realized like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? And you, because at, with the way the roster is constructed, he has to play either vote or rap unless he just wants to go like, you know, rebuilding project of like, okay, we'll have Tari at the five and, you know, uh, Davenport the four, which Davenport ain't no Jaquan Parker. I mean, you know, he, he's right. going to struggle to try to get some rebounds for you, um, you know, being undersized of that position. So, so it's kind of like now that Mamadou has gone, that whole thing's out the window with what they did last year with having him close at the five. So you basically are stuck with one of them and neither one of them can cover anybody on the perimeter. Neither one of them is really a shot blocker. So what do you do in the Tennessee game? You played that little zone with one of, one of those guys right at the basket. That's what I would do. I would be like, okay, what did you at UCF play with that taco fall defense where it was kind of a zone and he never left the front of the hoop. I know these guys ain't no taco fall, but just what was that defense? They never have to leave the front of the rim and you just hope the teams shoot a lot of jumpers. Cause right now the, the amount of drives they're giving up, it's just, it's an automatic either bucket foul or weak side putback. Yeah. And so you're one of those guys has to play and you can't stop the perimeter. And by the way, how many slide over charges has UC drawn this year in five games? Zero. Yeah, pretty sure zero. I don't recall one. <laughs> yeah. So basically their rim protection is non-existent because they don't block shots and they don't draw charges. So now you have to devise a defense that says, I, we can't give up drives. We just they, they ha He has to find a way to just stop drives and say, hey, make threes. Well, so here's the thing. He Who's a good three-point shooting team in this league? Wichita? Uh, maybe. I don't, who do they have? They lost Sherfield. I don't think uh, they're that they, good. They have Altariq Gilbert. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe SMU. They usually have some guards that can shoot it. Yeah. Tyson, but, Jolly, Tyson Jolly opted out. So Right. Um, no. I mean, it, I mean, once you get into league play, like I don't, zone's not a terrible idea. Just this is a league built on guys playing off the bounce and teams going and getting rebounds, right? Yeah, yeah. You just whatever whatever he has to do, he has to just first and foremost stop letting drives happen because no one's doing anything about it once the guy gets by UC the UC defender. So that's obviously. He tried, I mean, the Tennessee game, he played some, some zone and it seemed to keep them out of the paint for the most part. He played he some last some... night in the second half and it worked. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's almost like, I don't know, man. I think you just have to say, I know what he loves to do, but just say, I can't do it. I just have to play zone always when those guys are in the game. But either way, like you said, and like he said after the game, you could do that, but then all of a sudden you're going to give up 95 offensive rebounds. So there's that. And you're not going to run as much because you're not going to get a ton of deflections and, you know, pre ball pressure and stuff. So that's going to take away some of their offense. So it's like you plug one hole, and like you said, you, and then there's another one's going to open up. So there's that. So I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. And this is not pointing fingers at anyone. This is not saying anything other than stating the reality of the situation. Keith Williams is the only Mick recruit that's that's left. You basically have three. If you count Keith's class, two and a half empty recruiting classes. 
and then the three sophomores and the five freshmen. It's not as bad as what Mick took over, but it's, it, it ain't far because you now look, we see the limitations that rap and vote have. And those guys were brought in as stopgaps. They were brought in as transfers that were stopgaps. I think the Julius is going to be good, but he ain't there yet. And then you have Keith. Keith is Robin, right? Keith is not Batman. Keith is not give the ball to Keith and let Keith cook. Keith is get the defense moving, get him on the wing, straight line drive, make a play. And then once he's feeling it, he'll bang a jumper. Keith is get in transition and Keith is going to finish. <coughs> Keith is not <coughs> give him the ball at the top of the lane or top of the key and let him ISO somebody. He doesn't have, one, he doesn't have like the handles of a Jaron or an SK. But the other thing he doesn't have is both SK and Jaron had that change of speed, that ability to get somebody on their hip. And Keith has all the athletic ability in the world, but is a straight line driver from the top of the key in an ISO set where there's guys waiting for you. Keith can't get past 15 feet. So what do we see when he does that? We see a pull-up, a, a, a guarded pull-up jumper from 16 feet because he doesn't have the shake. He doesn't have that offense to get past there. So that means he's not, he's not an alpha. He's not a guy that you can just throw the ball to and say, Keith, get me a bucket. And more often than not, he'll get you a bucket, right? That, that's what, what Jaron and SK, here's the ball, go get a bucket. And what would they do? They go get a bucket. Keith doesn't only, have yeah. that in him. That's not but in his not, game. Not only that, I mean, when you look at Jaron the last few years, not only could he either get you a bucket or get to the but foul he line, but he, he's setting people up. He has his playmaking. And really, it really comes down to shot creation. So yeah. Jaron can create his own and create for others. Whereas Keith's having trouble not only creating his own, but he is not even close to the playmaker that Jaron was. So it's just a huge drop off. And that's why you're getting so many bagels on possessions late in the game. And then you look at the Julius who was able to get into the paint against Xavier and, and, and he, he's had, he's had some good crunch time minutes. He didn't um, against South Florida, but he's also small. And, yeah. um, and you look at, I'm sure Brian Gregory was like, we're not letting this guy drive. Cause it seemed like every time he got the ball, there was an extra help defender, like right near him, um, especially on the perimeter to not even let him get that head of steam. So he was, a, he was just a non-factor and he could not figure out what to do about it. So, those are your those are your two best perimeter options uh, as it stands to create a shot for either themselves or the team. And as we've seen, it's not going so well. So there therein lies the just bad possessions at the end of the game, like the one out of ten against Tennessee, and what I don't know what the hell they were last night. And one out of they ten. Just, oh, again. There's was, was either well, one out of ten or one out of. It might have been one out of nine, but the only right, bucket well, they got. They're, the only bucket they got Tari. down the stretch was Tari. Yeah. Yeah. Looking like an NBA, like step back Jay. He, he looks NBA to me. I know it's a long way away and he's got a lot of work to do, but he just looks like, and he should be in the NBA. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. So what do you do if the other part, the only thing you can do is just get better at executing set plays, right. Or 
you can stop giving up layups and free throws throughout the game and have a 10 point lead with four minutes to go instead of being tied or maybe a point or two ahead. Because as the, as the game wears on from the beginning to the first 35 minutes, they just give up so much easy stuff that it just, it just accumulates. And when the math at the end of the game, it's like, man, you just gave up like 25 easy points to this team. And so I, I think it's so fascinating that so many people in the fan base were tired of mixed style and all this stuff. And then, you know, UC starts having trouble with this exact stuff that he always had shored up. Um, but yeah. And everybody's freaking out. Yeah. And then on the other, on the other side of it, um, Brandon had this reputation or at least a perception that like he was going to come in and like, we would turn into, you know, some mid-major like team that can just hit threes and play this awesome offense. And I mean, his two point percentage is good. Um, has been really good last year and this year. And when he, when the, the team can execute, they get a lot of easy baskets, which, you know, mixed teams rarely did. Um, but uh, he, he hasn't been able to, and it's so early this year. And last year was a weird roster again with all the transfers and whoever was left, but he just, there's, it's not like, okay, here he is. And now like, look at this awesome offense. It's going to take some time. And, oh, and then to finish my point. Yeah. So you have that at the top of your roster. Right. And then you have your three sophomores. And then you have your five freshmen. Uh, two of the sophomores are are solid. I think they're what you would expect from guys you find late in a recruiting class when you get hired in April uh, in Davenport and Adams Woods. I still want right. Micah to be more aggressive. I, I, it drives me nuts that he doesn't look for his shot more. Um, but you have two rotation guys. Harvey is a top 50 type talent, but he hasn't found his, his role yet. He hasn't found his comfort zone yet. And then you have five freshmen. Tari looks like a stud. I don't think there's any question about that. I think Mike Saunders looks really good for a freshman point guard. Yeah. I love the way he shoots free throws. He was like that in AAU. I, I, the, the event where you, no, you weren't at that. That was a year before you came down the event that I saw him in Atlanta. I think he hit 18 of 19 free throws. So that it. is his free throw stroke is pure. Um, we haven't seen anything really from Gabe Madsen yet. Mason Madsen is in a boot, which the, the word I was getting before the season is that we're much more likely to see Mason early than Gabe because Mason can defend. Right. Which it would be nice to have a combo guard that could stop somebody off the bounce. Um, and then Victor Locken is recovering from knee surgery. So you have veterans that aren't – Keith is a high major player, but he's not a high major number one option. Yeah, alpha, right. Vote is limited. He is what he is. Lock or uh, uh, rap is limited. He is what he is. If he doesn't stop turning the ball over, I'm gonna have to like, yeah, whole. I, I've never seen somebody go on a run of turnovers like he has the last two games. I mean, it's what Quadri Moore would have done if he would have got regular playing time, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But he just, as soon as he made his first mistake, Mick was like, eh, "I don't want to see. I'm done. I, I, I know where this is going." <laughs> Um, he pulled him out every time. 
so you can you can blame that on John, whatever, but you don't have anybody left over from the two, 2017 and 2018 classes. And as a coach dealing with two completely empty recruiting classes and one recruiting class that you filled on the fly that you did a I think if you if you given that situation what John was able to do to get those three guys on the fly along with the grad transfers that he got last year mainly uh, Javen Cumberland and then you have a bunch of freshmen where two are quality you have a roster that is not built to win Berg how long has David Collins been in South Florida well, minimum years? four, yeah, minimum four. But Larry feels like Davis nine. recruited him to Cincinnati. <laughs> That's not a lie. That's how yeah. long ago he was in high school. Um, you have Alex Yetna. Alex Yetna is really good. Alexis. Alexis, whatever. Yeah, Yetna. I know he's tough. When he was a you freshman, Mike- I was like, where the hell did they find this guy? Yeah, Michael Durr is is not good, but he can get a rebound and dunk it. Yeah, and which is what he did. Where, and then, where the hell did Castaneda he's, come he's, from? In that he's game? been there three years. No, I know, but I'm saying like he never could make a shot that I ever saw, right. and he was hitting shots like he was in the NBA, pull up Jays well, and everything. And that's that's the um, that's the type of luck that John is having right now. Is they got the third foul on Murphy to get him out of the game, and while he's on the bench, Castaneda scores nine, yeah, or eight or whatever it was. Like that's the type of luck you're having when things are going bad. Right. And things are going bad right now. Yeah. Yeah. Was in a discussion with somebody on Twitter today and they're trying, you know, they're, they're venting and trying to, to be mad. And I'm talking about the same things we're talking about right now. And it's like, look, like these things are reality. You know why Mick didn't win his second and third year? Because things weren't there yet. Like your Rashad bishops and your, Yancey Gates and your Cashmere Wrights and your Dion Dixons were talented, but they weren't ready to win yet. And it didn't matter what they had at the top, you know, the Deontay Vaughn or the Lance Stevenson or the John Williams, John Williamson, the guys that were the actual dudes, the guys that became the guys that, that started a nine-year tournament streak, or we, those guys weren't ready yet. And I think you're looking at a roster right now with some guys in the younger classes that have the makeup of what you need, but they ain't ready right now. Not and now. Got, Not now. Yeah. And you got an AAC that's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. You're the team that's been 99 and 27 since the inception of the conference, and you've been beating we, us almost every time. We've got Ooh. something to we got some things to talk about right now. South Florida was <laughs> South Ooh. Florida was giddy. After Ooh. those first couple minutes last night. Yeah. Yeah, man. And yeah. It, so another thing to think about is just in general, it takes coaches to at least year three when they take over a job for some stuff to happen. Now, Chris Beard at Texas Tech is, is one of the exceptions that they were already good, though, when he got there and they already had holdovers and stuff. But like I was looking it up. So, you know, Dayton has their big year last year. That was Anthony Grant's third year. Yep. Um, you know, look at – here's another side of the ball. Like, go look at um, when Tony Bennett got to Virginia. They were 70s in defense the first two years, then fifth his third year. It took some time to get his thing, people in, teach his thing. You also, 
when you talk about John Brandon, how he says execution, it takes, it gets better over the course of the season, which I have a thought on that um, in a second, but you know, also if you have turnover of your roster who have been learning each year, each year by year three, they're going to know these plays inside and out and they're going to be able to run them to perfection um, because, and the reason what I want to say is he says how his teams like to ascend his teams get better throughout the year. Um, where UC is in the landscape, mm, I don't know about that. They're going to have to win some of these non-conference games. They don't have like 15 games to find their offensive stride. It, you know, if you look at what their schedule would have been this year with Louisville and that Arizona-Texas Tech tournament and things like that, he's going to have to maybe spend a little more time on execution in the offseason because they don't have time to mess around and not be able and, and put up three points in the last six minutes of games. They got to right. be able to get some buckets. So, it, you know, that would work when all your an auto bid is your only chance to get to the tournament, like when he was at NKU, but he's in a position now where he can get an at large by grabbing a couple, maybe two out of four or five of these chances. So I mean, he'll learn. I mean, he, he knows that he's not stupid, but uh, yeah, man. It, it, and, and also you look at who are their three seniors, the last time they had three seniors and a bunch of young players was that SK Jackson yeah. and Rubles team. This ain't no SK Jackson and Rubles. Right. Not, this is the, the defensive side of this thing. Even Keith defensively, you would think he'd be a good defender um, with being there for four years. But it seems like he just – his fouls, some of them are cheap, but a lot of them are reaches. Man, does he love to reach. God, does he love to reach. It's what I've talked about this whole – he hops. Yeah. What happens when you hop? You're not on balance. What happens when you're not on balance? You reach. Yeah. Because Man. you're not in posi- – you're not in guarding position. You're out over your skis. And he's out over his skis far too often. Th- right. This team reaches too much. In- oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. You're, you're like me on that one. The reaching – Yeah. I've always had a problem with it. And, and that was something that Mick, you know, he would, he would, those are just those things. So like they would spend all those weeks before the season with Larry Davis going through this boot camp of what to do. If you don't do this, or if you do these things, you ain't going to play type of stuff. And that's why they didn't foul a lot. And, and they, they had all those principles. So you just, the, the roster, it, it, I mean, I hate to say this five games in, but it's like this, we're looking to the future, man. Like, let's see Atari and Mike Saunders can develop and, and and looking ahead to having to, to Julius as a senior next year with some of these guys, uh, you know, blossoming. But if you look at the makeup of this roster and in the AAC, man, uh, defensively and rebounding wise, I'm a little scared. Rebounding is going to be a problem. I'm not. I mean, this isn't a great offensive league. So if you can't get better defensively uh, over time and figure out how to be effective in this league, then there's a, a deeper problem, you know, afoot. A but they are what we, like, you know, what Marvin Lewis, I see better than I hear. Right now, I don't see a team that, that has much hope of being, being average defensively going forward. That's, that's John's biggest task to figure out because, you know what, Berg, you know what sucks? We're not talking about how awesome they were on offense, especially in the first half yesterday. Right. I mean, yeah. they had what? 
I think nine, nine assists on 10 baskets, something like that. They, At one point shot. it was 11 on 11, I thought. I remember yeah. the, the checking on the halftime show. Yeah, you were there, so I was watching. But, yeah, I think they said 11 on the first 11. They were passing. They were they were cutting. They were hitting open shots. They were uh, outstanding offensively. And because they were so bad defensively, we're not even – we haven't spent yeah. one second on yeah. the offense looking good. Well, that, that's also the same thing with with in, in the crosstown shootout when, you know, Xavier pretty much scored consistently throughout that game. They had a, maybe a three-minute – Justin Williams, God, such a jinx. I saw that tweet. Xavier hasn't scored in 314. It was like <laughs> the very end of the game, and they scored yeah. like seven out of the next eight. I, I was about to kill him. But, um, but, but, like, Xavier was consistently scoring that whole game, and UC hung right with them. So they've shown the ability – to again with that two point, like they get a lot of layups and, and stuff in the paint. Um, they're not they're not a great three point shooting team. There's there's some guys that are on the younger side of this roster that potentially could be good three point shooters down the, you know down the road. Davenport he ain't shooting he's not gonna shoot fifty seven percent for the season or whatever he is. Um, right. Well, that would be yesterday. So that'd be an interesting uh, you know bet to make. Like you know what does he finish at? Uh, at the end of the season, like, I mean, like I think the over/unders maybe were like around thirty-four, thirty-five percent. I would say that's probably about right. Yeah, he does when he when he shoots in rhythm, he's got a nice stroke. Yeah, for sure, and that's what I'm saying. Like he'll make some, but he'll also with the way the offense, this lack of shot creation, he's going to get a lot of looks where the guy hand in his face and he has to shoot it. Yeah. So, but, yeah. well, Again, now they're not they're not leaving him now. Yeah. Now the scouting reports out. All you got to do is hit four out of seven, and it's over. Right. So what do you so 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 now they have a game on the road against Georgia, who four out of their next five on the road, Berg. Woo wee, man! Some teams are looking to eat. UCF coming up. I saw SMU. I believe UCF's been winning at SMU a fair bit over the last five to seven years, and uh, they don't. So we have we have at Georgia, at UCF. Tulsa at home, at SMU, at Wichita State. Hmm. Nothing easy out of those. I'll tell you what. What's the what's an easy game in this league right now for for UC with the with their margin for error? Because even East Carolina with Jaden Gardner, um, that ain't gonna be easy. <laughs> Dude, I don't, he's gonna I don't just eat eat in that game. I don't think that Tulsa team is any good. We'll see. Yeah. Um. I don't think UCF is good, but it's at their place. Uh, so they they're not great, but they have some they have some pieces. I mean, they, they yeah, but some... they they don't have Colin Smith, which that was their game changer. He opted out. Uh, so if they had Colin Smith, I would I would I would act differently about that because that dude has torched UC his entire career. Um. <clears throat> Tulane is okay. Yeah, they. Yeah, I guess that's probably they should win. They should beat Tulane. Temple so, stinks. Yeah, what's man? But that's at Sergio. Temple, and then Houston. Woof. You gonna watch that game? The one at Houston. Yeah, January twenty third, uh, Cincinnati at Houston on ESPN. It depends on what's going on in my life. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm just hanging around and I can watch it, I will. But I'm not going to hurry and try to 
set stuff up so that I have to be able to see it. <laughs> You're going to come on to this podcast like, eh, I was busy last night. I, I heard about it. <laughs> so I heard it, about it, it. So is it, is it, um, so UC's two and three and yep. they're own one in the league. So with one more non-conference game, what do we need to see by the end of December? So what is that? Three more games. And December, that is uh, Georgia, UCF, and then New Year's. So they got two games left uh, here to end 2020. And oh, then so January rough. January 2nd, home against Tulsa. Okay. So what do we need to see these next two to have some confidence that they are going to finish above 500 in league play? Because I think at this point that – I hate to say it, but that's that's the bar from what I've seen. I mean, you got to beat Georgia at Georgia, I would think. Like, two and three in conference play with your only wins over Lipscomb and Furman, not yeah. great. No. It's not great. Um, and then win at UCF. But that we need to see them look better Yeah, in the, in the final minutes of games. Yeah. And we need to see that there's some toughness. Like it's one like it's one thing to be a team that plays offense, right? That's okay. You still have to be tough. You still have to be physical. Especially in this league. This is a physical league. McCronin set the tone. Kelvin Sampson has taken the baton and running with it. Mm-hmm. That is the league, right? So you can run good offense. You can score points. But you still have to fight. Because if you don't fight in this league, you're going to get your ass kicked. They're going to beat you up. South Florida beat them up last night, Berg. Two guys with double-doubles. When's the last time you remember two guys having a double-double in a game? Yeah, and I think they might have had 10 dunks in the game. I mean, they had at least six in the early first half. And they were all offensive rebounds, mostly. Yeah, yeah, transition, easy, you know, just off of turnovers. Michael Kerr's fat ass hanging on the rim. <laughs> Speaking of fat ass, LaQuincy Rideau is uh, no longer he's with gone. them. Yeah, yeah he's, he's gone. gone. How many turnovers would there have been last night if LaQuincy Rideau was there? Yeah, good question. That's the other thing. Burke, how can a team go through the first two games, not turn it over at all, and then the next three games – it's like they give out points for turnovers. They think they give out points for turnovers. I mean, I guess the, the variable there is rap, right? Because without his, the number's respectable. Well, I mean, Brandon said the big guys are turning it over. And, I mean, Eason had last night where he was trying to run the, run the break, like he was Chris Weber, and he just lost it. And then he had that defensive rebound where he just tried to throw it to yeah. half court, and then they got a three, and we lost by three. Like, yeah, can't do those things, bud. But the thing with him is it's going to be like, oh, you, you got to live with a man it. child. Yeah. And then you like, got to live with it. Like, oh, my God, dude, what was that? It's just going to be a mixture of that. And you hope that it's a higher percentage of damn and a lower than it is. Of, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else? But what else you got? Yeah. I know you got other stuff you want to discuss. You're gonna get like three miles in before this podcast is over. Yeah. Well, now you're that you're taking you just a break now. That. Well, I had a list. I had. I was working on some stuff, but I think we covered 
fair bit Most of, it. of it because uh, I, when I was checking out the message board last night and the, the usual um, Brandon bashing and it happened to Mick happens to every coach on every board. I'm sure every time you lose, you know, last night you lose to South Florida. Again, we talked about what they did wrong in the game, but I, I think South Florida, and you know, I've been on their jock for multiple years now. Um, You've been waiting. I would, be, I would not be surprised if they finished second in this league. I'm just going to put it out there because they're, they've got, they're, they're two and three or so they're, they're they, they've been bad until last night. No, they just they lost like Virginia Tech and uh, I think some other made big you know major co- conference school. But I'm just thinking like you look in our league sure. in, in the AAC. They, they beat Wofford. They beat Wofford by two on Saturday. Wofford's tough. Look, look, look at the league right now. What's the standard? Memphis is like they seem like they could be good, but you know how they are. And we know Houston will win it. Um, SMU seems like they're potentially up there and UC was picked to finish fourth. South Florida is picked to finish fifth. I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could finish third or potentially second in the league. Cause you know, it's hard to play in that stupid ass Thunderdome or whatever they call it. The now Sundome. you're hedging your, now you're hedging your bets with third. You said oh, yeah. second. Okay. I'll they stick with it. Finish second in this league. I'm going to stick with it. Cause I think Brian All Gregory right. is a good coach and they got David Collins and size and, I mean, they got Xavier Castaneda. That's the that's the X factor, literally X. Literally factor. the X factor. Yeah, yeah. hilarious. So, so I think I think like when you look at okay, so UC lost to South Florida at home, and, and that's going to set off the alarms of man Brandon's these these losses he's had in his early going at UC last year with the Bowling Green and the Colgate, and but I, I just I, I feel like not to I mean, look, UC deserves all of the. Uh, you know, all that they're getting for how they, what their performance was last night on the defensive end and their toughness, but South Florida's not South Florida. Like losing to South Florida at home is not the worst thing. So I just think they're not South Florida is a little better than we thought. I'm just saying it's it, and there's nothing. All I'm saying is it's not as big of a deal as we as it kind of is. You would think it would be. So they they played well. I mean they were they they were a good team. I, I was impressed by them. I mean, you know, UC's coming off a loss on their home floor, and they just came in and like dictated, dictated the game. They just did what they wanted to do, and UC tried, just couldn't do it. They were better. They were the better. Like you watch that game for five minutes, and you're like, I think this is the better team right here. This team in the green, South Florida played better. I mean, that's outside of Keith going nuts for yeah, six minutes, five minutes, whatever it was. Like that's that's a that's a 15 point South Florida win, right? And another factor is with with some of these close losses or at least being in them at the end and, and most of them keith is on the bench for like just 10 15 minutes at a time yeah. in these games and you got to think that just over the course of the time he's on the floor that uc has a better chance to do a few things better he's than he's their best he's player by a significant margin yeah right now yeah so do you do you just you say tell him not the sorry Dan you tell him not to freaking foul right you treat him like you treat him like a high school player almost that you hide him however you have to hide him you do not foul because we can't survive with you on the bench offensively or defensively right? 
because at least he's not a great well, thing. He's not the best on-ball defender in the world, but at least he knows things and he's got some instincts in the passing lanes. He's got that athleticism. Here, here was Here's what I would consider um, something John has to look at. He's consistently guarding the other team's best perimeter player. I know you probably do that because you think you have to, but he was on David Collins. He guarded Paul Scruggs the whole game. He guarded Furman's best player, and he ends up in foul trouble. Maybe move him off of the number one guy and put him on the number two guy. And you tell Mike Adams Woods, if you're not going to be aggressive on offense, fine. You're going to be our lockdown defender. You got long arms. You move your feet pretty well. You're going to be our guy that that takes their guy. Because if that's going to be Keith, you know what teams are going to do? They're going to keep going to their best player and attacking him. He's going to keep hopping and reaching into fouls. Yeah. Or play his own. Just find a way to come up with some kind of zone. How, how You haven't been around this as long as I, but you've seen coaches that aren't zone coaches hate playing zone. They so? hate it. Would you rather lose every time when your guy gets in foul trouble just, and you give up a thousand layups hey, and free throws and weak side rebounds? From, from our perspective, I understand a thousand percent what you're saying. I'm saying in dealing with college coaches that don't like zone, it's like a it's like a life choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're a zone guy or you're not, and if you're not, you're not. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. that's. That's something that needs to be overcome, let's say. Okay. Well, here, I just thought of something. So my, you just okay. mentioned him, Micah Adams Woods, or as Kevin Johnson calls him, Micah Adam Woods. Um, he. <laughs> at, <laughs> why, at the, why you got to ricochet Kev like that? I mean, it's just fine. You know, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw him a little, little elbow to the chops. Um, but uh, so, all right. The first game he comes out against Lipscomb and, and he looks like UC's like most reliable offensive player, 16 points. He's aggressive, taking it to the hole. Didn't really make any threes. I think he was one for five or whatever the case was from three, but he was, he was able to get the ball in there. And then it seemed like Xavier found a way to just keep him out of what he wanted to do. And it seemed like whoever was watching the film was like, oh, I guess we'll just do that. Well, you know what that is. Left Stop hand. him from going left. Yeah. So – so what what is Mike Adams Woods? What 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 is his strengths? Where does he fit in? How should how should he be used? Because it seems like he's a really good three point shooter. As far as percentage wise, last year he was up there close to forty as a freshman, and I know he can slither through the paint, finish like that. I wanted so, to. Be, I, I said it earlier. I, the kid needs to be more aggressive offensively. I think he is too passive offensively. I think he looks to move the ball. I think he looks yeah. to be a good teammate, like, you know, to be a guy that fits in the system, to do what coach is asking of him. I mean, he's not as talented, but you know who else did that? Jake. Right. If, if Jake was in a flow offense, he would have disappeared completely. Like Mick had to run stuff for him. And maybe John needs to run some stuff for him to get him to get him more active, to get him more involved offensively. Because right. um, I, I just think right now, like 
You know how they I, they'll they'll run stuff to get Keith isolated on the right wing to go downhill. Maybe you run stuff to get Micah isolated on the left wing to get him moving towards the rim. Something you know, I think he he needs a quicker trigger and a more uh, confident trigger from the three point line. Right. I, I I he's probably their best most consistent three point shooter over the long term. I he frustrates me offensively because I want more. Yeah, it's and tough. Maybe it's just not in him. Well, he's also in the fifth game of his second year. I know, I know. But I'm I know. not writing I, yeah. him off. I'm yeah. talking no, about no, no, no. Like, I know. I'm talking about yeah. winning games right now. That's what right. you know. That's the conversation. What yeah, needs to because, happen to yeah. win games right now? Yeah, he needs to be able to get some good looks from three. There needs to be some action run to try to get him more than one or two looks a game from three because he's he's shown that he can hit a high percentage. The reason I brought it up was because uh, there was a, a little, somewhere one of the threads, one of the in the Starting middle of the skies. Yeah, and 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 what what would that look like? Um, because I think with Harvey giving you more length on defense and potentially having more upside as a scorer, what's you know? But Harvey's not ready. I don't know, I don't know that know he gives Harvey's you more length. Either. I don't know that he gives you more length. I think Micah might still be as long, if not longer. Really? I thought Micah was only he gives you more height. He gives you more height. Yeah. But Micah's got a six seven wingspan. Okay. So the length is probably going to be about the same. Yeah. I don't yeah, hard, and I don't yeah. notice I don't notice a ton of difference in their athleticism, do you? Mm, not necessarily. But I, I think it'll be a fascinating uh saga between the two of them to watch this year and that's that's such an overstatement saga um just <laughs> it's just it, i don't even know if it'll be fascinating I what mean, about this, some, what about something other people on the board have talked about seeing more to julius and saunders together i like that yeah i do but then if you do that you're small you know yeah you're real small and then that's a lot of minutes for for saunders um i i mean i think you can do it at times depending on what the opponent has on the floor. I mean, because look, you've got two slow footed dudes that are playing. Like one of them is playing. So either you just find a way to play with those guys, or you have to try to go small at times and, or, or at least have the other players be in a, you know, give you more speed on the floor. So it's just tough because there's not that, there's not that other four like that's, I mean, Jeremiah, he's not really thick enough. He's, what is he, six six, six seven at the most? Um, yeah, he just doesn't feel like much of. He doesn't really feel like a four to me, um, even in a small lineup. Um, but I, I mean, I know he'll 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 be there. But uh, yeah, I, I like I liked that look. I think they have to find a way to push the pace. But again, you got to get the stops first. I, yeah, the Julius is um. He's just—he's a hell of a player, I think. Uh, I think so too, but I don't think—I don't think he's comfortable yet. He's not, and I think the roster and just—I don't know, man. It's just hard. I don't know who is comfortable. Like who's who's the really comfortable right now? Opposing guards going to the rim. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> How you like that answer? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, but I, you know, I like what I've seen, and just from just from being that that floor general that can hit free throws and get into the paint. Um, you know, he tr- he tries on defense. He 
plays really hard. He cares. Um, he's small though. So, you yeah. know, you know, it's hard when your best player is a six foot guard, just ask every team Chris Paul's been on. Um, eventually it, it just, it's tough. You know, there's, there's just size out there and, and there's ways to bottle you up um, unless you're just a ridiculous knockdown shooter, which I think the Julius has a chance to be when he gets more comfortable, a guy that's going to make two out of every five threes. Right. He's got a nice stroke. He just, uh, He's just, I'm sure there's a million things going through his head right now when he's on the floor. He's just learning everybody, trying to figure out where everybody needs to be, what, hit, what where he should pick his spots. So, yeah, it's tough. Uh, and and what, when you just said that, that lineup there with those two guards, like, what is UC's best lineup? Oof. <laughs> uh, Not even best crunch time lineup, because that, that would have been the question usually. It has, it has Keith, obviously. Uh, I think like I, I think it obviously has Eason. Obviously has DeJulius. Okay. You've got two fives. You got to play one of them. Um. So vote, I suppose. Yeah. And then, I mean, I guess the question would be either Micah or Harvey, or do you move Saunders. Keith to the two? And move Davenport in at the three, or do you put Saunders in with Julius and then have Keith at the three? I, I think there are some options there that we yeah. haven't seen a lot of the combinations that that you know that that mentioned there play out. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the but, plug and holes thing, if you if Davenport's on the floor at the three, um, he he's a catch and shoot guy three. Um, yeah he's a three he and doesn't D. but he doesn't um he he doesn't shot create he doesn't create his own he doesn't create for others um and so now that's that's one spot that can't do that um uh, we know that um keith struggles in that area and then obviously boat can't even like shoot a jump shot longer than you know i've never seen him shoot a regular jump shot in a game maybe once it's so, just so slow to develop yeah because it's There's like some it's weird forms on this team shooting the ball, Rat. which, which Harvey's Harvey, yeah, Harvey's is yeah is a moon ball. Oh my god! But raps too. Like, what is that form? And then, I mean, obviously, vote. Uh, Easton's is at times looks a little kind of from the left side, but yeah. So I guess my point is, it might be the two point guards, and then Keith, and maybe. Maybe you could go with Davenport and Eason and just say, we're going to be the fastest damn team in this league. We're going to be young and weird and have Justin. What happens? What what happens if you put Davenport and Eason on the floor together against Yetna and Durr? They run past them. As they're dunking. (laughs) Well, after they dunk, then UC can get it in and go down. And oh, dunk on the other oh, end. okay. Yeah. So you can okay, just answer a dunk you, for a dunk. No, I know. Okay, well, I got I, you. I, yeah, but that, see again, plugging holes for holes like that lineup doesn't work. So then, but then you put boat in, and then so then what do you do at the th- at the three and the two? But I, think, Justin, here's what I want to say: If we are doing this, what do you think John's doing? Yeah, no, I mean he's not getting much sleep this season. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. It's not. There, there, there's got, no easy you answer. Got, 
You got anything got else? One, yeah, one more thing. A couple of people okay. have reached out to me asking about Grandma Ruthie and why there hasn't been any Ruthie's rundowns. And the first one, first reason would be that she didn't got no ESPN Plus. <laughs> she doesn't even have internet in her apartment. She don't have apps on her TV. No, she don't. She doesn't have a. She doesn't have a smartphone. She's got no. I I got her an iPad like five years ago, and it was a nightmare. And I ended up taking it back to the iStore like eight <laughs> days later. She called me like she called me three times a day. Like I can't figure this thing out. And then she called me like we need to take this back. But um, she is still kicking. And uh, she just said the only thing I can tell you is last night. Um, my dad called her this morning, and she was like, "Ah, what a bad game last night." So that's that's about all she's I can still, tell you from she's her. She's still all in when it's on ES when it's on the family of networks. She's all in. Oh yeah, she she plans her whole week around when you see plays, and it's just a shame that so many of these games have been on that that ESPN Plus because she just can't watch them. So she does. She's not going to know any of these players. Oh, except gotta, for number two, buy her smart TV. You buy her yeah. smart TV. She's got a pretty nice one. Plus, she has no internet in her apartment. Uh, well, yeah, without the internet, the, you're kind of... Yeah, she's just stuck, stuck with what she is. So, so yeah, so the, uh, Ruthie's rundown. Also, I haven't really seen her in person a lot with the quarantining, and she's old. So there, that's it. Just if, if anyone was wondering why there hasn't been you, one yet. Now, now's your, you, get your, going on. you get your ad time. Don't, don't mess up your ad time. My ad time? Yeah. Oh, okay. Leahslandscaping.com, L-I-A-S... We get it done. We do, we do, we do, we do mow lawns. Remember last time I was all fumbling yeah. and everything. Like we had a good lawn mowing year. Actually, we we, we had, didn't even do that last year. We just decided to do it. People kept asking, so we can do that. We do all the maintenance, do some fun projects. Just ask my boy Robert Breslin, and um, pretty much whatever you need outside. We did a drainage project the other day. So, how about fences? We'll wrap, we'll wrap. Yeah. How about fences? <laughs> no fencing everything but that so um, i've been trying i'm trying to get bird to do a 16 foot section of fence for what six months if you if you're out there and you you're in the if you're in the fencing business if you can put a 16 foot section of fence up let me know i'll give you a free year of bearcat journal how about that leah's landscaping not a fencing not a fencing company yeah that's the slogan um, I did. I did. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, like the musketeers fence. That's why you don't fence. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I, I have the, an aversion to it. Naturally. <laughs> God damn, they're good too. I hate it. Uh, sick of it already. By the way, year three for their coach, and they sucked the last two years. Bad. Good point. Good point. Good point. They suck. Morley is Morley is landscaping. We need Morley yeah. is landscaping now. This is you, you're you're distracted from you gotta you gotta focus on the ad read. There is are no read. Write, are you gonna write yourself or an ad read or are you just I probably freestyle will. it? Yeah, I probably will. I mean it's just it's you know, Bearcat fans get preferential treatment, Xavier fans get charged double. That's that's the slogan. And put it on a t shirt. Probably should. I got a There's, guy. I know Have you, you seen do. the Ooh. new hats? Oh, I did see them. Yeah, I, I got to snag one. I got to snag one. You like the red? I'd probably go black. Yeah. Yeah, I like that better. Like you can get black. them 513shirts.com. They're, they're pro fit. 
mm. their new era, their new era, 3930. So they're the highest of qualities. Go to the uh, partners tab at 513shirts.com and get you a Bearcat Journal fitted stretch fit new era 3930 hat from 513shirts.com. That's my ad read. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's a lot more smooth than the one I read. I just had. <laughs> You'll get there. You're used to having me do the ad reads for you. That's true. You just put me on the spot. I wasn't even prepped for it, but it, I, I think I did okay. Look, I gave the website. You, you know did. how to spell You're it. L I A S landscaping.com. Landscaping. You work on fun projects, everything outside the fencing. Yeah. And you just, and, and I'll come by and check out your art for you and we can talk Bearcats for an hour. It's fun. And then I'll do your project for you or, or my, my crews will get done what you need. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Bert. Yes. Yeah. You can, um, you can vent all you want to me. I will probably vent back because I've been oh, lots yeah. of frustrated good, this year. <laughs> good luck. Good luck getting your vent in because Berg's going to have his too. It can be a vent fest. Yeah. Well, I think, you, look, look, the last two, the Xavier thing killed me. And then the Tennessee loss was really like, ah, I think they could have won that. But then last night I was like, eh, this team just, eh, just probably doesn't really have it. Just don't. I, I, I hope, I mean, I think they'll get better. I really do. But I don't know how how long am I going to have you for this season? That's my yeah. that's my question. Yeah, it depends on how well the team plays. Probably <laughs> as but they no. get better, you're more likely to stay. If they get better, yeah. And if they don't, we'll just have to come up with some more content when I come on. <laughs> I think we can do that. We we've been oh, good yeah. at that over the years, have we not? For sure. Yeah, All we right. can do like look back at past Bearcat games, or you know. We can we can fill we can fill some time. Here, you, here's one that, that that's your job. Yeah. Oh, I can talk, bro. I can yeah. talk. Here's one that um, Mo threw at me today. I want you to contemplate for the next podcast. How much is this team like the 2001 team mm. that lost a bunch of close games early? Remember Satterfield missed all yeah. those yeah, game, game winning shots. Yeah. They had Logan, so they had a young guy that was, you know, maybe not ready yet, but was 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 building up. Uh, that's your homework for next week. Okay. Fine. You good? All right. Yep. Anything else? No, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Berg, for joining me. Thanks to Dave Simone. This is a monster BCJ podcast, double edition, to get you through the holidays here coming up next week and uh we will see you i don't know what next week looks like i imagine if we do anything next week it'll probably be early the da, 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 da. christmas eve is thir- thursday christmas friday yeah maybe we'll do a wednesday next week because i think the game's tuesday right tuesday the 22nd is the ucf game Ooh. So maybe we'll Saturday night, from... Saturday night, and then Tuesday. Yeah. Mm. Road, road, Georgia, mm. Orlando. Mm. Berg's not happy. Berg's not. Berg's gotta... not thrilled with that. Well, here, look, look. It, 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 I mean, you got to hope for a split because if you look back, college teams that have back-to-back road games, it is really hard to sweep unless you're playing some whack teams. Well, that's bad like... news, Berg, because they have two road games. They have back-to-backs, and then they got. 
Tulsa at home, and then they got back-to-backs again. Come on, Tari Eason. Develop much, much faster. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother. We will talk soon. Thanks to Berg. Thanks to Dave. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.